my grandson. Oh, I love him. You know what I like? I like that children can be children in church. I want them to come to church and to to know, you know what, be who you are. Yes, mom and dad do try to make them behave, and yes, I understand those challenges, but I'd rather have a child come to God's house and enjoy it than come to God's house and have a finger pointing at them. We are family. This is a house of family. And when I say that, that means I will give you the grace to be with your child, and I will cheer you on, and I will encourage you. Yes, I might give you some wisdom and some advice, but you know what? I want you to bring your kids to God's house. Hallelujah. This is a house of faith. I want to talk about faith today. This last year, I've thought a lot about faith. And if, if, if I can just be transparent for a moment, and the rest of the time I won't be transparent. Um, when you have something happen to you in life, you have a choice. And you can either become bitter or you can become better. And this last year, my faith was challenged to either become bitter or to become better. And there were moments when I felt that bitter popping its head up. If I can just be honest with you, when things don't happen the way you want them to happen, you have an opportunity to either say, God, you, and by the way, God's, God's a big God. Or you can say, okay, God, what are you doing here? doesn't mean there's no pain. It doesn't mean there's no sadness. But what it does is it puts perspective to life. And so this morning, I want to take a few moments, and I want to talk about faith. I want to talk about what is a life of faith. I want to talk about my sermon is this is a house of faith. And if I had a subtitle, I would say the context of faith. How do you live a life of faith? And before we go too far towards that, what is faith? Now, the Bible has, I think, a couple aspects of faith. One of them is there's a gift of faith. You look in the, if you read about the motivation gifts and the power gifts and how God gave gifts to men, and one of them was the gift of faith. And I believe there's some people that operate in high levels of a gift of faith that is something that brings in even greater miracles. I believe we all walk in miracles. The greatest miracle is the miracle of faith and accepting Christ as your Savior and a dead life being turned into a life new. That's the greatest miracle, miracle of salvation. But I believe that there's some people that move that just, you get around them and your faith just grows. But there's also a faith in believing God, trusting God. And to me, that is a fundamental building block stone in a relationship with God is faith. In, in Hebrews 6, or Hebrews 11, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. 
In fact, what I'd like to do is I'd like to take a look at Hebrews 11. So if you can, if you could turn in your Bibles to Hebrews 11. What I'd like to do is um, I've got some time here. I want to read the whole chapter. I'm not sure if we do enough Bible reading. So what I'd like to do is I want to read the whole chapter of Hebrews 11 this morning. But what I'd like to do is before I get there, I want to give you a small amount of context. So as we read it, I'm asking God to have his Holy Spirit pop inside of you. And when certain words are read, that your spirit just comes alive or your spirit just ticks them off and says, oh, I heard that. So I want to give you a few thoughts about Hebrews. Hebrews was a book that was written to a group of people that were either pressured or were considering or looking back and saying, do we go back to Judaism? Do we go back to the laws? Do we go back to those things that were before Christ came? So they were looking at life. They were looking at things around them, and they were saying, how do we live? Do we go back to those things? And the writer of Hebrews wrote them and used some amazing um, terms and words to show them how much better Christ is, how Christ is perfect, how Christ met the demands of the law, how Christ, Christ is the high priest. And what the writer of Hebrews did was he made this theological argument to say, listen, don't go back, but there's something better. So if you read the book of Hebrews, I've written down some of the words that show up. Some of the words talk about priest, the high priest. One of the words is better, better. He talks about, he, he talks about some comparing, better than the angels, talking of Jesus. Convinced of better things for them. The lesser is blessed by the better. Better commandment, better testament, better promises, Better covenant, better substance, better country, better sacrifice, better resurrection. The blood speaks of better things. And all of those words better, when you look at them, refer to the life of Jesus, the work of Christ, and how he is better than the way it used to be. Now, I'm not saying that you and I are going back to Judaism But what I want us to see is the life that we live in Christ is better than any other life that you and I could live. And this is a house of faith. And you are a house of faith. And as we've been doing this whole series, we've looked at and we said when we talk about this as a house, we talk about this house in general terms and in specific terms, but it also relates to you and I. So what we experience here, we take with us to our homes and our families, and we can live that out in that setting. So as we're looking today at this is a house of faith, this isn't just talking about solid rock. This is talking about you and I and how we can navigate life because we are a house of faith. So he gets to chapter 11, 
And at the end of chapter 10, he talks about Christ and he says, remember the former days and after, when after you were enlightened, you endured a great conflict of sufferings. And then he gets to the end of chapter 10 and he goes, but we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. You and I have this degree, this degree, this distinguishing aspect called faith. You and I, as believers in the work of Christ, believing in God, believing in salvation of his offer of salvation, his work of salvation and redemption of us, we have this element, this ingredient, if you would like to say, called faith. But it's not just a saving faith, it's also a faith that lives in us and changes the way we actually live. And here the writer in Hebrews 11, he wants to show them even how faith was evident in the Old Testament. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to read this, and I may overemphasize a few words, but I'm going to try to read the whole passage, and this is a challenge for any pastor Anybody preaching, I'm going to try to read the whole passage without stopping more than 10 times. I would like to read the passage, and then I'd like to just highlight some words going back over it. Because I want God's word to settle into your hearts. So why don't we take a moment, and let's just pray. Father, I just ask, as your word, which is life, is read that it would settle into our hearts, through our ears, into our hearts, into our being, and that we would have this confidence in you because of your word, which is alive and quick and powerful. So, Lord, as I read these words, Lord, let me stay on track. Amen. Hebrews 11, verse 1, and I'm reading out of the NASB, so it may be a little bit different than what you're reading. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the men of old gained approval. Stay on track, David. Don't get sidetracked. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death, and he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. By faith, I'll say one thing here. Look at the context. Look at the context. By faith, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. And it is embedded in the context of living a life of faith. By faith, Noah, being warned by God about that was only once. So that's once if you want to count them all. I'm not going to do very many more. 
That was being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for salvation of his household by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. By faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Sounds like a teenager. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, there was born even of one man and him as good as dead at that, as many descendants as the stars of heaven in number and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. All these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For those who say things, such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they came out of, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said, in Isaac your descendants shall be called. He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, even regarding things to come. By faith Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each one of his sons of Joseph, and worshipped leaning on the top of his staff. By, ja by faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents. Why? Because every parent believes that their child was a beautiful child. Because they saw that he was a beautiful child. And they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking for the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood so that he who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as though they were passing through dry land, and the Egyptians, when they attempted it, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. And what more shall I say? I think he has a clock in front of him with time. 
and he's preaching a sermon, and he goes, I've only got a few more minutes, so what can else can I say? For time would fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to fight, women received back their dead by resurrection, and others were tortured, not accepting their release, so that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mocking and scourging, yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned and they were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about it in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated. Men and women of whom the world was not worthy. Man, I'd like to be known as someone that the world is not worthy. Wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. I don't want to do that, though. And all these, having gained approval through faith, through their faith, did not receive what was promised because God had provided something better for us so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. Lord, just make this word bounce in people's ears. Faith affects your hope level and your seeing level. These people, they had a faith that had a hope for something greater than what they were seeing. And what they saw went beyond what they could actually see. I want to show you a few other words as we go through this. I wrote down verse by verse. I'm not going to go through all of them, but I'm going to just show you. First of all, it says faith. I, what I find interesting is we've used the word faith, and sometimes we take it out of context. I want to use it just in the context of this chapter and in the book of Hebrews. The Bible is strong enough and powerful enough to stand on its own merits. And sometimes we've used the word faith as a way to get things, and we've made it a consumer type of faith. Instead, it should be consuming us. And we say, what do I get out of it? I don't know about you, but I have this ROI, return on investment mindset. And quite often it creeps into my spiritual life. And instead of saying, God, I love you for who you are, I say, God, what are you going to get me out of this? What are you going to do for me? Now, God doesn't have any problem blessing his kids, but I think sometimes what we forget is we need to be his kids. That was a spot for an amen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of not things not seen. I want you to see verse 2. For by it, the men of old gained renown. Huh. That jumped out at me. This whole passage is talking about how faith was what they had and how they gained renown and how, they, how God noticed them because of their faith. And that's why I say it affects your hope level and your seeing level. You and I have a hope that people who do not know Christ do not have. 
you and I have a hope that people who do not know Christ, do not follow him, who are not believers of Christ, we have a hope that they do not have. And you and I, as believers and followers of Christ, we also see things that those who are not believers do not see. And the men of old, they saw things and they hoped for things that were beyond this world. And they saw things, and it says that they actually saw a country whose maker and foundations were Christ. And God, who, the city who he made, and they were searching for a better country. This that I touch and feel is not my final place. And I have found if we're not careful, we make this our final place instead of realizing I have an eternal home, a city that he is making for me. And I have been challenged to live my life beyond the earth, to look and see eternity in my decisions, to see heaven in my thinking, to look beyond and say there's something even better. And this is beautiful. I love the colors. I love the sounds. I, I don't always like the smell in the spring, but I do love flowers. I do love seeing his creation. But he's got something even better than this for you and I. And I have found when I've looked at life, if I look at this, I miss what he has for me. And I am, I'm going to say something. I think too many Christians live for everything on earth and they don't live for anything in heaven. Can I just be honest with you? What can I get here? What can I have here? And we don't realize I am passing through whether I live 80, 90, 100 years. I don't know how many years he's given me. But I don't live. This is not my final place. I have an eternity with him. Live with eternity in your picture. Make your decisions not for what satisfies now, but what will build for the future for eternity. Learn how to say no to those momentary pleasures for the eternal gratification of being with the king. You and I as people who are followers of Jesus, we have a faith that there is something greater beyond the realm that we see. And I'm an alien on this planet because this is not my final home. And that's how they lived. And when they lived that in the Old Testament, it got God's attention. And it was crazy because he told one of them to build an ark. He told another one, you know what, kill a lamb and put its blood on the doorpost and on the header of this door and you'll live. Stay inside that house and you'll, that's kind of crazy. Can we just be honest? We read it and it sounds great. But can you imagine doing that in today's world? If somebody came to us and said, dude, like, I, I, sometimes I think we don't realize the dilemma of faith in that moment. And I'm here to tell you that living a life of faith is a hard, those are decisions, but I don't live it based on what I see now. I live it for a future that I see coming. I'm not living based on making a decision for today. I'm living based on making a decision that will impact me forever. 
So I come to church regularly. Why? You'll be honest with you, it's not because of what I get down here now, and it's great, but because I am laying a foundation for my forever. And my forever includes my kids, my grandkids, my great-grandkids. And so I will live a life now of faith because I see something greater than what I see here right now. I'm talking about living a life of faith. They lived, I'm, I'm, I've got a couple more minutes left. Reset the clock, Vanessa. I'm, I just, I feel like that guy in here, he says, what can I say? What more shall I say? Because time's going to fail me. But let me tell you, they lived on earth as though they belonged to another realm. That's one of the translations. They lived on earth as if they lived, belonged to another realm. To me, that's been something I've been thinking about this last year a lot. Because I don't just live here for now. I live here, but I belong for another realm. I see some of these pictures of the Hubble spacecraft or the, 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 the pictures of the telescope, and, and they show these galaxies upon galaxies. And I'm looking at them going, I'm never going to get bored. I'm going to have my spiritual jetpack. I'm going to have a picnic lunch, and I'm going to go, I'm going off to see the star David. I'll be back in a million years. I, I mean, have a picture of eternity in mind. Give yourself permission to think beyond what you see. Now, it affects how you live today because how you live today, I have a greater promise and a greater hope. So although the world may be chaotic and we don't know what's happening and we don't know this and I don't get carried away in that. I serve a God who is greater, and he is the king of kings, and it says greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And so some of these things might be struggles and troubles, but I look and I say, I don't live for today. I live for tomorrow. It says they made it clear they were seeking a country, and they welcomed it from afar. Man, we live for the address that we have on earth. Start living for the heavenly address. I found it interesting. Here it says he's made them a country. He's prepared a city. Jesus says, I've prepared a mansion. Here it says, God says, I've prepared a city. It's like, whoa. In other words, it's huge. I'm just going to read off some things. God's able to raise him from the dead. That's what Abraham, that's, a, that's what you call a crisis of faith. When God tells you something and then you go and you do it and God blesses you and then God says, you know what, I want you to sacrifice it. That's a crisis of faith. I thought you said, and, and Abraham's response was, well, if he gave it to me, he can raise it from the dead. I tell you, that's easy to say. But how many times has God given us something and then he says, David, are you prepared to lay it down? And my argument is, no, you gave it to me. I'm not going to lay it down. Come on. But maybe he's got something better. 
And I say, you know what? You gave it to me. So, God, everything you've given to me is yours. If you gave it to me and I give it back to you, you're able to make it all happen again. Uh, here, listen to this. Faith affects your family. Talk about faith in your homes. Abraham had his son Isaac and Isaac's son Jacob convinced that they were living in a land that there was theirs. They were intense and they believed it just like their father and their grandfather did. Speak of it. and Get around the kitchen table and talk about God. Quit talking about all the gossip. Talk about God. Raise up a daughter and a son who will be people of renown in this earth because they have a kingdom they're going to beyond this earth. In verses 21 to 24, it says a couple times when Jacob was dying, and when Joseph was dying, faith affected them their whole life. And then it says when Moses was born, faith was involved. Have faith in every element of your life, in every stage of your life. Whether you see a little child, speak faith. Or whether you're old and you're ready to pass on and move forward to what God has for you, have faith and speak to them. Joseph said, listen, you're not staying in Egypt the rest of this time. You're going to get out. And when you get out, take my bones with you. Speak faith. This has gripped me. Because I think we've watered down faith. We've made it a consumer product. We've made it something that works for me instead of going, no, my faith is in him. My faith is in Jesus. My faith isn't in what I do or what I conjure. My faith is in what he did. I can't figure it out. I can't save you. I can't heal you. I can't. But he can. And we've made a faith about do this and then you'll get that. And instead of saying, no, my faith is in him. And what I found is when I put my faith in him and I've seeked him first, all those other things happen. But we get about all the other things and we forget about him. Faith is in him. We sang it this morning. It's because of his blood. It speaks a better word. It's because of his life that I have life. By faith, Moses left. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea. Can you imagine saying, first of all, that's a humongous miracle. That's like going through the Fraser River and it being dry. But can you imagine them going, great, it's dry for us, but it's also dry for my enemy. So I'll get through, but they're going to get through too. And God says, no, you get through and I'm going to take care of them. By faith. Why? Because they had a hope, a favorable expectation, and they saw things beyond the fence. They saw things beyond what they could see, and they looked beyond and they could see what God was doing. Here's another one for you. The three Hebrew boys. I just, I, I'm, I marvel at that. When they went into the fire, they didn't say we're going to come out alive. They said, you know what? You put us in the fire. We're not going to st stop serving God. And even if we die, we won't stop. We talk about faith as 
only because I'm going to live. But do we have a faith that says, no, I don't care. I'm putting it on the ground. I'm putting it all out because of my faith in my king. And even if I die, he was the one that I will serve. We've made faith all about survival instead of faith about him. I'm about survival. (laughs) I'm about living. But I live for him. I don't live to satisfy me. Or I try not to. Don't ask my kids. By faith, Rahab the harlot. Isn't that a great way to be remembered? Um, She did not perish. She was not part of Israel at that time. She was part of the nation of the city of Jericho. But what's interesting, when you look at Rahab, you find out that she's actually, I think it is the great-grandmother of David. Not only did she have faith to allow them in because they knew they were going to, but then she had faith to believe God that he was doing what he was going to do. And God says, you know what? I'm going to bring you into the royal heritage and lineage. God can do something with you when you think you've made a mess that maybe goes beyond your life, even your kid's life, and hits your grandkids or your great-grandkids. Don't just look within this constraint. Look beyond the fence and have vision that looks beyond what, God, what you're seeing. Two degrees, two elements, two ingredients that I see in faith. It's a hope and it's a vision. Based on this passage, they had, they had things they hoped for, the evidence of things they had not seen. What are you hoping for? What are you seeing? My faith has been challenged that I will hope for things beyond what I see. And I will hope for a city that is made by the king of kings. That I will have an expectation. I believe all things work together for good. So I believe I'm covered down here on this earth. But I also know that he's got me covered for going up to heaven. I want to have such a crazy faith that people get around me and go, I just feel so optimistic every time I'm around David. He gets a flat tire and he goes, thank God the other three are good. (laughs) Come on. Can we have faith in God that looks beyond what we see? Because the faith that is in you, the mustard seed that's in you, has a belief in Jesus that is greater than anything that you or I could do if we allow it to grow. Faith is so much bigger than you and I. This is a house of faith. This is a house. This is, I want to speak this by faith. But this is a house where we act different. We don't panic. We don't fear. This is a house where we speak different. I'm not talking about naming and claiming it. I'm talking about speaking his word. I'm talking about, I'm positive, not because I'm positive, but because his word is positive. I'm speaking his word is truth. This is a house where we listen different. I'm not hearing what the world's hearing. I'm not hearing what the media is saying. I'm hearing what he's speaking. 
This is a house where we expect more. We expect more. Don't expect what everybody else expects. Expect more. Why? Because I have a faith and a hope and a belief, and I see things in Christ that don't happen just naturally here, but happen because of him. This is a house where we are realistic and we are unrealistic at the same time. This is a house where we live for more. Don't just live for your life. Because the faith they lived here went beyond. And actually the last verse in chapter 11 says that they are not perfected until they see us living that life and doing it. So you and I have a part to play in the scriptural life of those that we read about and also in part of the scriptures. You and I have a part to play in what God's word says. We get to heaven and Peter's going to come and he's going to shake my hand or he's going to give me a hug and he says, thanks, David. Because of your faith, I got even more perfect. Can you imagine meeting them in heaven and they know your name? And you go, I thought I only heard about you. And they go, no. You read Hebrews 12. We're that cloud of witnesses, man. We were cheering you on. This is a house of faith. We live beyond ourselves. Do not confine your life to here and the nasty now, but unlimit your life to the forever and forever. So that brings me to the question, if faith affects my life, then faith affects how I live. So how should I then live. I'm not going to speak that this week. I'm out of time. And everybody said, thank you, Lord. But next week, I want to talk about if we're people of faith, if this is a house of faith, how then do I live in that faith? Because why am I talking to you about faith? I'm talking to you about faith because faith is a difference maker. It's a difference maker in my life. And if you read chapter 12, you'll see a few key points on how to live the life of faith. Read it, but then show up next Sunday because you'll get to hear me speak for 30 minutes about it, even though you've read it in three minutes. But how do we now live? How do I now live a life of faith? I'll share with you next Sunday. Amen? You say, thank God he's given us a, a, a week to think about it. Pastor Nelson laughed at me. He's probably thankful. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Have an incredible week. God bless you.